Hi guys, welcome to episode two of Kitchen Secrets. Andy and Ben here. Uh, episode two is about our first steps into uh, professional kitchens. Yeah, more like a first burn for me. I think. <laughs> it is uh, a like, first caught, first burn. Yeah, yeah it, was a, it was certainly a baptism of fire. I didn't really know what I'd let myself in for, Andy. But... It's quite interesting. Before we come on the podcast today, we're actually having a little, uh, a brief chat about our first steps, and they are quite different, really. Obviously, in the previous episode, I talked about my three years at college, and obviously Ben was doing his. One year, so it's, yeah. it's, it's. I had a lot more experience while I was at college than what Ben did, so it's going to be quite an interesting episode. So. Yeah, because Andy, I think you, you you actually were holding down professional jobs in kitchens whilst I was whilst you were at college. Yeah, yeah I was working like yeah, three or four three or four days a week. Yeah, yeah. like I, for, for me, I was full time at college, and then part of my course was that I had to spend a couple of nights in a couple of restaurants, and that was the only sort of experience I'd had. And so there was to, no. You no know, weekend work or anything like no, that? No, nothing like that. I had a bar job, but that was only just to help pay my rent whilst Pay-y I was a bills. student. Like, it, wasn't, it wasn't anything to do with cooking. Yeah, we, were, we were kind of pushed into uh, getting a full-time a job, to be honest. Uh, a lot of my college students, some of them worked at like chain restaurants, some worked at KFC, Burger King. Uh, I went down the restaurant route, so did some of my other good friends from college. And yeah, I, I used my time to play with different environments so I could work out where I wanted to go, really. So, yeah. Well, I think also, as we discussed in the first one, you were considerably younger than me at the time that you were training. Like, that was almost like your further education. I lived, I, at, I lived at home, and ex- didn't have the bills to pay. Exactly. And, whereas, whereas, because I'd already sort of done my studying, as it were, I was almost on, I was almost trying to fast track myself into what I wanted to do. So, you know, my first job was straight out after college, after I went to Leeds. I went, and I got a trial in a in a, in a restaurant in London, and uh, which was an experience in itself, just being there at the trial because, uh, you know, I was standing there in the corner, not really doing much, and the head chef at the time sacked a chap in the kitchen during an evening service and pointed at me and said, "Right, you start tomorrow." <laughs> uh, so I, I, at which point, I think. <laughs> I didn't quite know what I'd let Don't myself in for. Don't know what you were for, yeah. Yeah, like, it was, it was a, bit, a bit of a... So he preferred you, he preferred you than the other chef well, there? Well, I think the other was guy... Was he made a mistake? Or? Yeah, well, it was, a, like, it was a mission star joint, so you know what they're like. And the guy was a bit of a cowboy, and I think you and I both know that when you're playing at that sort of level, you have to be able to rely on those junior chefs to do what they're told, and if they don't, you know, you it was he was pretty bloody ruthless. Yeah, yeah. That chap. Like, we had plenty. Of, I had like several jobs when I was at college, and uh, we'd have plenty of walkouts and people crying or people not falling in sick, and yeah. you had, you phoned your college mates up to try and get them to come into work with you, and that's how I got poached on one job to the other when I was in Sheffield. Like my first job was at a nice little country hotel, and I was there for nearly two nearly two years to be honest, and it was a, a nice cushion number. But then I knew I had to change my direction just so I could see something else while I was at college because I couldn't see myself in a little country hotel for the rest of my career. No. Uh, so yeah, I left there to go and work in the Rosettes, Rosette restaurant. And that was, a, that was similar to you, back to the fire. You used to get sworn at. The head chef there was used to uh, jump around the kitchen before service with like the radio on full blast swearing and shouting at us. And that was a complete, you know, complete different shock to me. Like, I was like, what's going off here? And yeah, literally the amount of bollockings we got and it was just nuts and some of the horror stories that we had it was literally it was like kitchen nightmare hell's kitchen and yeah. we used to make people sit in the middle of the kitchen and eat food that wasn't right that customers had sent back and 
just horror stories like that. It was absolutely disgrace. Sort of, like almost like it, you know, we get, we've got so much of this. We all know in our industry that you know there's a lot in the press about how it treats its staff and those sorts of things. And that's something that we're going to talk about later on, I think, in this series. But you know, I think we both know that if you you know sort of mistakes were highlighted and you were almost belittled in front of the brigade yeah. every single time and like i i know you know you talk about being in tears my first head chef or my third day being in a restaurant bearing in mind i was in my mid-20s i'd like to have thought myself as quite a sort of mature level-headed guy uh he had me in tears during my third service and i was i was head in hands outside in the yard having a fag bawling my eyes out because he had opened me up because I couldn't do a creme brulee right and <laughs> you crazy, know I, it? yeah it was but you know it, it's that idea of making or breaking and I get it it's you know and the culture is changing but massively changing you know, at the time when at the time we were doing these jobs I must admit it was all uh, Gordon Ramsay was just coming into the highlight and everyone just thought they had to behave like that because Gordon Ramsay behaved that so everyone was becoming animals and it was like everyone was, and I've done it in late. I've done it later in my career. You just, you shout and you swear because Ramsey did. It's almost you'd seen the big boy. You'd seen the big boy do it, so you had to do it to to do it. And I was told later in my career to do it as well. If I to make myself get a promotion, I was told I had I had to scream and shout so that I could show that I could do it. Yeah. So, and I was told by a French junior sous chef to do that if I wanted to become a sous chef. And I was like, I can't be doing that. And he was like, Yeah, you've got to do it. But yeah, so I mean, once I'd finished working in that restaurant, I was lucky enough, my lecturer offered me a job to come and work at Leeds United, which was, at the time, my old man uh, wasn't impressed being an avid Sheffield Wednesday fan. <laughs> but then when I told him the money they were offering, he was like, oh, fair dues, why not? So yeah, I had to go along. So I went along with my lecturer and I worked in one stand, he worked in the other stand. That was a completely different, it wasn't restaurant vibe, it was mass catering. Uh and it was just, it was cool. It was different. We were doing we were doing the players rounds. We were doing making chicken sandwiches for the football players at the time. None of this super food back then. It was literally chicken sandwich before the match, chicken sandwich after the match, and that was it. So that was like a complete. It's almost what we're doing now. It is like yeah, it's gone around yeah, full like, circle. You know, like, full, like there is the one thing I think people going into the industry sort of need to see is that there is a massively different vibe between what you do in a restaurant, what you do in a hotel, and what you do if you're doing that mass catering. Like, there is, isn't there? What we've seen in our careers, there is that huge difference and what demands are made of you depending on which part of the industry you go into. And I took that on myself to actually go and find out different parts of the industry I was at college because some of my friends just stayed in the same restaurant for the three years they were there. But I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't know where I wanted to go. And I was lucky that my college opened these doors for me. Like, we used to go and do big, massive events for like the Cheltenham Gold Cup and Silverstone Grand Prix with Compass Group. So we, we were open to that, yeah, which yeah. you wouldn't... Again, did you no, do anything, yeah. any work experience like that? No, not really. Like, I did, like, all I'd say is we were, you know, at least because we were always given... We had the doors open to go into some really high-end restaurants once we'd, once we'd qualified. Our work experience side of it, when we were actually at college, again, we could go to the top restaurants in London and be a fly on the wall and watch them and watch these guys work. But because the majority of my graduates didn't end up going into the restaurant industry, it was almost almost brushed over. So I didn't really get to see it, but I was determined that that's where I wanted to go. And so my first interview after, as I said, after, after qualifying, 
was in a Michelin star restaurant in London. How come you wanted to go on the restaurant scene opposed to become a? This is a really. This goes back to when I was back at school. Like I, for me, I, I was always a team player, and I always enjoyed team sports and the idea of groups of people working together to get a back to your, goal. To your rugby days. Back to my rugby days, and that's yeah. what it was. And so you know me, I played rugby to a relatively high level, and I missed that buzz of team sport. And as far as I was concerned, the way that restaurant teams worked and the pressure that they were under, that was guys working together to, for a common goal. And that really appealed to me. And that was the closest buzz I got ever to playing high-end rugby. Um, and, that's, and, and that was my mindset to it. Exactly, uh, yeah. You know, and it was, yeah. And the, the buzz is addictive. Like, you, you know, when you've been in a hard service, having done it, you know, there are highs and lows, but when you've been in a really good one, you go home with a big smile on your face. Sure. Yeah, I, I probably got, we, we were sent away, we, we got to, we got sent away to different placements in a, in between our second and third year and I got a, I got the choice either to go to work in Clermont in France, uh, a two Michelin star, to go to work in uh, Barcelona. And I chose to go work in Barcelona at the Rockler restaurant, it's not there now, unfortunately, in the World Trade Centre. And that was, that was amazing because I was, you were 17 at the time and I was like, I can't believe it, but my parents, luckily, I went on holiday when I was younger to Spain quite a lot. So Spain was like second nature to me. I just knew I wasn't scared, but the three mates that I went with never been to abroad before. Yeah, yeah. Never left Sheffield before. It's a hell of an age to go. Like, so yeah. it was there. So that was where I, yeah, so the experience of that was really good. I, I had to wait till I went abroad. I had to have a few jobs before I did that, but we'll, we'll talk about that another time. Um, but yeah, no, my first, I just, that, that baptism of fire of that first job, you know, the, the stresses and strains and just being held to that standard. Yeah. You know, having you done two star, I was sitting in a one star. And, you know, bearing in mind that after one day of shadowing someone as their sort of sidekick, the next day I was doing three undercovers over the day on yeah. my own, running a section, having never been in a professional kitchen was a hell of an experience. That was so. similar to me and Michael. We were, yeah. When we got, we got taken to Spain, we were dumped in them. It was all in Spanish. They didn't really speak much English. And that was a shock as well because we got there in the morning and everyone's having espressos and uh, raw eggs for breakfast. Never had espresso in my life. Never even had coffee in my life, to be honest, before then. And uh, raw eggs, what's that about? So we, we tried it. We were literally buzzing off our rockers for the service. And then 11 o'clock came and we, were, they, we all sat down for dinner. And they brought out bottles of wine and beers. And we literally, me and Michael were absolutely plastered before service. <laughs> and then service was all in Spanish. And we, we were like spinning, like we and Michael. It was literally nuts. And then afternoon was the same. We all sat down some more. Estrella Dams came out. We had more beers. And uh, yeah, that's how it was. And that's probably, I mean, from then, that's probably when I started like getting into the drink and stuff as yeah. well. Because I didn't, it was never, even like at college, you would never have been open to the going for beer after, after college. Yeah. But literally, in, it was in a professional kitchen. I don't know about your professional kitchens, but it was everywhere. Everyone had a beer, and you could have a beer during work, beer after work, beer before work. It wasn't... It was like, well, yeah, I, like, it, it, at, at the least it was a beer, I would say. Like, yeah, yeah. you know, like particularly that first kitchen was, you know, we were, we were short-staffed, we were working long hours, and we all know that, you know, sort of abuse of certain substances is pretty high, pretty rife in that industry, particularly at that time. Exactly at that time, it, it was, was popularised by certain celebrity chefs. Yeah, like it was, it was a, it was a hell of a time. And you know, there was certainly things going on during service that 
you wouldn't normally believe exactly, in yeah, normal yeah. life it wouldn't have been tolerated I'm sure we, we uh, can dig into that a little bit yeah. we can dig into that a little bit more we might yeah. bring, bring people in to talk about uh, what would we what would, if you had to give someone a bit of advice starting off now when they're at college or at Leafs what would what would you tell what would you tell the younger generation now in our industry I, I, I think I would probably turn around to them and say I, I, I think it would be better to do sort of what you did and have more experience as you were going through training than I did. So, you know, be, be aware of how different the industry is and cast your net wide. So if you have the opportunity to work in different locations, doing different sort of food, do it as much as you possibly can. Because you think, they get, you think people get scared off by working now? It's a completely different ball game now, isn't it? Would like the, the apprenticeships, there's a lot more apprenticeships in our industry now, which is beneficial. To a point. To a point. Yeah, I think to a like again, we we both had good and bad apprentices. Uh, yeah, we have. Like, yeah. you know, and I think, I think, I think there's a real. I think the one thing that we had, which I don't think currently happens, is that the emphasis was put on our training at college, so that we were almost ready to apply skills when you when you went yeah. to work. Whereas so the sort of train on the job apprenticeships. Although sometimes it worked really well, and I know you've converted some brilliant apprentices, and I'm not knocking it in any way, but there are definitely the actual head chefs who actually have time to invest time and train, yeah. despite all their best will in the world, they're under so much pressure to hit staff margins, hit food margins, you know, get the prep done. Yeah. Like you know, I think I think I think it's really difficult for. I know it's that the latter of my career. During the heyday, I had plenty of time as a sous chef. I had yeah. plenty of time to train my apprentices. But then when you become a head chef, you're just taken away from it. So you don't get to train them as much. No. I, so, I don't yeah. think it's fair on either end. No. Because the apprentice wants to learn, if he does want to learn. But the head chef hasn't got the time in order to invest in that person. And, and so both sides end up sort of out of sorts of it. Yeah. And, I, you know, I just think it's really... I think there's a really fine line to be had there. And I think... One of the big differences between your experiences when you were younger, particularly once you got into the hotels, and my experience was that the, the, the staff levels, like I didn't work, I, in all honesty, I don't think I've ever worked in a restaurant that was fully staffed as it should be. Like, and you know from my experience, you know, my first restaurant, we were on short strings. Certainly when I was at, first moved down here, at my last job in a professional kitchen in the hotel, wow, I was basically doing that single-handedly at yeah. one point, you know, and, you know, so to, to have full, full staffing is a, is a luxury. Yeah, um, exactly. I'd say, yeah, I'd say to any students listening, anyone out there is just go and seek out some experience, yeah. even if you do stages, but try different. There's such a, I do a lot of talking to my, le- my college back in Sheffield and uh, I always say to, when I'm talking to them, I always say to them, don't just think, being a chef is working in a restaurant because it's not. There's lots yeah. more stuff out there you can do now. Is it the private dining? Is it the conferencing? Is it the schools? Is it the hospitals? There's so much things to our industry. But at the, at, when you're at college, all, you, all they drill into you is restaurant, restaurant, restaurant. Yeah. And it's not for everyone. Restaurants aren't for everyone. I mean, catering is such an amazing industry to work in, but you need to make sure you've got, you try all the different areas out first, I think. And that's why I did working through all the different restaurants the brasseries, the one stars, the conferencing, travelling abroad during my college time. It was a massive learning curve for me. And it put me on the 
the road the road map to where you are now. Like yeah. I, I think you know, I think we're singing off the same hymn sheet there. Uh, you know, I just think you know, look what we do now. Exactly. Uh, you know. So cool. Thanks for listening to episode two, uh, the first steps into the kitchen. If you liked what you heard, what we discussed, please hit the like button, uh, subscribe and uh, let everyone know what's going on and spread the word. And uh, we'll be back to you shortly with episode two. Thanks for listening. Episode three. Thanks for listening and we'll speak to you soon.